0: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
1: Welcome to our podcast series for St. Patrick Catholic Community on the Beatitudes. I'm John Konachuk. Director of Adult Formation and Spirituality. Today's conversation will be the first of eight sessions, one for each of the Beatitudes from the Gospel of Matthew. Throughout this series, we will take a brief look at the scriptural foundations of the Beatitudes, as well as the theological context that gives the Beatitudes their unique direction for Christian believers. We will also search for ways for how we might continue to know the Beatitudes better so that they might guide us in our life of faith and our ministry to the people of God. The purpose of each of these podcasts is to invite us to a deeper understanding of the Beatitudes and how they can shape our Christian discipleship. Through praying the Beatitudes, we want to allow God to touch our hearts to pattern our lives in a way that most genuinely echoes that of Jesus' message given us in the Gospels. The title of the Beatitudes comes from a Latin word, Beatitudo, meaning blessed. St. Jerome in the 4th century translated the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into Latin, the language of the common people at that time. And thus, since the eight blessings all begin with their Latin word for blessed, Beati, they came to be known simply as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes reveal a number of themes that provide guidance for how disciples of Jesus are supposed to live and how to be a community of faith. The words of the Beatitudes have offered direction for every generation since those very first Christians. Pope Francis, in his apostolic exhortation, Gaudete et exaltate, or Rejoice and Be Glad, describes the Beatitudes as being like our Christian identity card. If anyone asks, what must one do to be a good Christian, the answer is clear. We have to do, each in our own way, what Jesus told us to do. In the Beatitudes, we find a portrait of Jesus, and we must become a reflection of the Beatitudes in our daily lives. The Beatitudes are located in the Gospel of Matthew. The central message of Jesus' preaching in Matthew is the coming of the kingdom of heaven and the need for repentance, a complete change of heart and conduct on the part of those who are to receive this great gift of God. Most scripture scholars agree that Matthew probably wrote his gospel not long after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Because the Matthian community existed within the framework of Judaism, this tragic event would have posed a significant crisis for these early Christians. While they most likely had separated themselves from Judaism, it remained an essential part of their religious heritage. With the Jewish community in Israel in utter chaos, what we can see in Matthew's Gospel is a movement forward An attempt to show a continuity between the Jewish past in its scriptures and how Jesus is the fulfillment of these ancient texts. Jesus emerges in Matthew's gospel as the authoritative interpreter of the Torah. The Beatitudes are situated near the beginning of the gospel in chapter 5 creating the section that is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. In the broader picture of this gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, according to Father Dan Harrington, provides a framework for and is concerned with Christian principles and attitudes that carry both personal and communal ethical implications. There are eight Beatitudes in all, and some scripture scholars divide them into two sets of similarly structured four lines. Each of the first four verses in Matthew 5 Verses three through six describes a condition for unfortunate persons, which is then reversed. The second group of four in Matthew five, verses seven to ten, speaks of rewards for virtuous Christian behavior. Both sets of four lines end with the same word, dikaiosune, or righteousness. All of the Beatitudes reveal the effects of God's grace to those who follow Jesus' teaching and example. We now turn to the first Beatitude, Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our first question must be, who are the poor in spirit? For how we identify the poor in spirit will shape our approach to this Beatitude. There is a popular interpretation that accepts the notion that this beatitude refers to people who choose conventional and personal humility or those who reduce their material goods. Commendable behaviors to be sure, but they are not the ultimate object of this beatitude. Likewise, this beatitude does not refer to people who experience desolation in prayer or are sometimes struggling to find God in their daily lives. A majority of modern scripture scholars identify Matthew's poor in spirit with the Hebrew word anawim of the Old Testament. That is, with the dispossessed and abandoned ones in Israel on whose behalf the prophets speak. The anawim of the Old Testament were the poor of every sort, the vulnerable, the marginalized, and socioeconomically oppressed, those of lowly status without earthly power. In fact, they depended completely on God for whatever they had. The Hebrew word anawim indicates those who are bowed down or bent over by the crush of desperation and poverty. Matthew appears to take the situation of the poor a bit further by using the Greek word patochoi which denotes beggar someone whose moment-to-moment survival depends completely on another. These poor in spirit literally have nothing. Whereas the Anawim in the Old Testament are represented as people who have an unusually strong hope in God, Matthew's accent on spiritual poverty indicates that these are people on the verge of giving up entirely, with no hope for any relief or change of status of any kind. Plain and simple, these are persons who have no practical reason for hope. Imagine the shock and disbelief from the crowd when Jesus declared that these persons, the poor in spirit, the Anawim, were blessed. Yet in the next breath, Jesus explains why they are blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus announces that the situation of those poor will be reversed. Those who have no reason for hope in this world, who may be on the verge of giving up, are blessed because the rule of heaven has drawn near. But how can these poor in spirit be confident that their situation is about to change? Will they have to wait until the kingdom has been completely fulfilled? The answer is no. God is here in the person of Jesus. The kingdom is already being realized and the identified blessing is already being bestowed. According to Jesuit theologian in scripture and ethics, Father Lucas Chan, one of the immediate effects of Jesus' pronouncement in this first beatitude is that the evils that cause poverty at the present time are being and will be eliminated. How does this happen in our day? It begins with Christian discipleship, with following the example of Jesus. Recall the beginning of chapter five in Matthew. The first line of this chapter describes Jesus as seeing the people. This crowd undoubtedly had those among them who were poor in spirit, and Jesus recognized them. In fact, we can surmise that every category mentioned in the Beatitudes was found here, and Jesus saw them, but mostly because he was looking for them. So our first action as disciples is to see those who are poor in spirit, to look for those who are bent over with burden. Yet also, like Jesus, if we are going to see them, we must be in a place where we can encounter them. The very decision to locate ourselves near the poor in spirit is an action where God's love works in us to transform us. It is through Christian humility that we leave our comfort and safety to seek those who are poor in spirit, and then out of that same Christian humility that we do not turn away from them. Christian humility requires that we never be indifferent to another's suffering or to anything that makes another less than the fullness of human dignity that is given to each person by God. Mother Teresa is a good example of a Christian disciple who saw the dehumanizing poverty of spirit found among so many of India's desperate poorest of the poor. She then served these poor by living among them in a simple lifestyle, so that she could more closely relieve their suffering. At times, if we allow our hearts and eyes to remain open, these poor in spirit teach us about how God's kingdom is emerging in our midst. A few years ago, I worked in Tijuana at a wonderful place called the Casa de los Pobres, the House of the Poor. The House of the Poor was started by Franciscan sisters in response to the city's thousands of people who live in extreme poverty and homelessness. When I accepted the invitation to go there, I could have never imagined what I would encounter. Each day, over a thousand people are given a hot breakfast, with nearly that many receiving lunch later in the day. On Thursdays, the Costa hands out bags of groceries to around 600 people. Since many depend on these groceries to sustain them throughout the week, it is not uncommon for a long line to form outside the main gate each Wednesday evening, even if it is cold and rainy. When I was there, most of those who waited overnight were elderly women or mothers with children. One of my first Thursdays of grocery day offered me a glimpse of those who listen and live the Beatitudes by showing God's love and care for the poor in spirit. Once we opened the gates in the morning, people filed through slowly, holding their bags open for the precious food, thanking us for each item we gave them. I noticed one woman coming through who seemed particularly haggard, bent over and having trouble walking. It was not unlikely that her home, if she had one at all, was constructed from discarded wood from pallets and cardboard boxes with maybe a couple of blankets to keep her warm. As she approached my table, I reached over to give her two loaves of bread and some fruit. In her bag was barely enough food to last more than a few days by my standards, so I was wishing that I could give her more. She looked up to thank me and then removed one of the loaves of bread she turned to a mother behind her with two young children. Please take this, she said. Your children need it more than I do. So even being obviously poor in spirit, she was able to notice someone in the crowd, if you will, who was in need more than she. Truly in a situation where she could have looked out only for herself, she understood another's precarious existence. What this woman seemed to possess was a Christian humility that allowed space for a profound closeness to God. She let her own poverty of spirit awaken in her an understanding of helplessness and which led to a complete dependency on God. Through that dependency, she was able to see people in a way that Jesus saw people. She attended to those around her, even if it meant that she compromised her own basic needs for sustenance. All of us as Christian disciples in mission must seek similar ways of embracing both the poor in spirit and our shared journey to the kingdom of heaven. Numerous examples every day, even in our own parish, Reveal the Beatitudes call to mercy, forgiveness, redemption, liberation, benefaction, and faithfulness. Tom and Eileen Reale minister at Andre House, located in downtown Phoenix, serving hundreds of people who lack housing in our city. How have you experienced the poor in spirit at Andre House?
2: So Andre House can be a pretty intense place when you drive down there and see the crowd of homeless people that congregate around Andre House. And when we go there, you know, we see that, that people are there they're to do, they're, they're due to experiences that are beyond their control. Uh, some are there because of of life circumstances. Some are there because of, of, of poor, bad situations or, or choices, mental yeah. health or, or substance abuse and, and every uh, combination of, of those factors in between.
0: And we like uh, going down there just mm-hmm. to be a part of helping out and um, doing something, living um, our faith and being, having our faith in action and doing something that will be a positive impact on other people.
1: What drew you to Andre House to look for or to choose to see those who are in need?
0: Well, we feel it's very important. Like Here at St. Patrick's, we are encouraged to go out and be the um, Christian disciples in mission and be a part, do something um, active to show your faith, to be... um, to show your, uh to, to support people that are less fortunate than we are, and we are very fortunate in Scottsdale here, and it's nice that we can go out and do things, even though you know it's a small part that we're doing.
2: And I think too that you know, as it, in in so many places in both the Old and the New Testament, uh, there is a, there's a constant theme about God's care for the poor. And not only that, but God's expectation for those that are able to care for the poor, that we do that. And what led me to Andre House originally was just that. I felt, well, this is something that I am learning in God's word, and not only there, but at St. Patrick's, that caring for the poor is extremely important.
1: How has your ministry at Andre House shaped your Catholic faith of being a Christian disciple in mission?
2: My attitude has changed a lot. I would go to Andre House. I knew it was a good thing to do, but I would go there and I would wonder, um, well, why can't these people at Andre House do a better job at solving problems? You know, we, we line up problems all day and we just simply knock them down. And... And it was something that over time, I feel like God softened my heart towards them. To realize that, and I look at so many instances in the Gospels where Jesus just simply met those who were in need where they were in the moment and was kind to them. So how I've evolved through the years is that I, I think that God is blessed with with more of a soft heart so that I can go down there. We can't move mountains, but we can go and we can lend a helping hand. We can be a smile, um, a kind word. Um, we can help to, to uh, bring a meal. And we can also help those that are down there full time that are helping them because they are the ones that truly do the heavy work and the rest of us, Chip in because many hands make light work.
0: I think I have a grateful heart that just by the grace of God, it could be me uh, down at Andre House. Um, you know, it could be circumstances beyond my control. Um, and I'd like to just go help and bring a little, hopefully, happy, happiness or something to their lives for the day that, that, that we are there.
1: Father Greg Boyle is the founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and reentry program in the world. His experience with young women and men trapped in gang lifestyle gives him unique perspective on the Beatitudes for those who are poor in spirit. In an address delivered at Notre Dame University in 2017, Father Boyle shared that the measure of our compassion lies not in our service of those on the margin, but only in our willingness to see ourselves in kinship with them. You stand with the poor and the powerless and the voices. You stand with those whose dignity has been denied. You stand with those whose burdens are more than they can bear, and you will have this exquisite privilege once in a while to be able to stand with the easily despised and the readily left out. Father Boyle is keenly inviting us as Christian disciples in mission to take the Beatitudes to heart. Pope Francis, speaking about the Beatitudes, says this, let us allow Jesus' words to unsettle us, to challenge us, and demand a real change in the way that we live. Letting the Beatitudes touch our hearts begins with prayer. Pray the Beatitudes any way you wish, but the most important thing is to pray them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One common form of prayer is to repeat the phrase slowly several times, out loud if possible. Listen to the sound of the beatitude as you pray. Let it permeate your whole being. Pause for a moment to consider if a word or phrase stands out to you. What touches your heart? Embrace this insight or feeling. Repeat the beatitude again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice what God wants to say to you in this passage. Follow your heart, for God is there, inviting, challenging, loving. Another form of prayer that many people find helpful is the contemplative prayer offered by St. Ignatius. Ignatius invited people to strive to come to know Christ better and in a more real way. In contemplative prayer, we use our senses in an imaginative way to reflect on a gospel passage. We actively use all of our senses to make the gospel scene real and alive. Read the first beatitude out loud several times. Blessed are the poor in spirit For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Be very aware of God's desire to be with you as you speak the passage. Allow yourself to see Jesus on the mountain and of Him seeing the crowds. What does He look like? How is He dressed? Look around and see all the people in the crowd. For this first beatitude, you might especially search for those who are bent over, who are poor in spirit. How are they reacting to Jesus' words? What are they saying to one another? What are the people saying to you? Stay with this moment a while and listen. If you like, engage them in conversation about their lives and what brought them to come and listen to Jesus. Let them ask you why you are here. At some point towards the end of your time of prayer, you will want to approach Jesus and speak to him person to person, just him. Speak from the heart. What do you say? How does Jesus respond? What is it about this conversation that leads you to a deeper love of Jesus? How is he inviting you to become a more passionate disciple? How does he ask you to minister to the poor in spirit? With whom is Jesus asking you to stand? At the end of your prayer, Thank God for this great gift of faith and prayer. Come back to praying this beatitude often. Each time, God has much blessing to bestow on you. Thank you for sharing in the podcast on the Beatitudes. May God invite each of us, like Jesus, to see the poor in spirit in our midst and to call us to Christian humility in service and love and compassion for God's people. Blessed are they, the poor in spirit,
0: theirs is the kingdom of God.
2: Blessed are they, full of sorrow, they shall be consoled.